0: This is the Pro AV Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on market scale. Nowadays, we put a lot of AV on the ones and zeros. They want more features, but they want to see less hardware.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast today. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, and I'm really excited to get to welcome Jeff Hastings, the CEO of BrightSign to the podcast. Jeff, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Absolutely. So we're, we're talking a little bit about a new product that BrightSign is offering and also just kind of discussing the importance of a robust network management and content management tool. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that, especially around the digital signage space. And that's kind of where I want to start off, Jeff, is just that you've been at BrightSign now for about 10 years. And I'm just curious how you've seen this digital signage industry uh, change and evolve in those 10 years that you've been there at BrightSign.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's super interesting when I think about the digital signage industry. When I first started in it, um, you know, we would do networks or, or do um, deals of 100 players. That was a big deal if we did a deployment of 100 players. Um, and, you know, everyone's super excited about that. And, and most people had not even heard of digital signage 10 years ago. Today, we routinely do networks of 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 players. So just that dramatic change in the size of deployments um, has probably been the most dramatic. And then layer on top of that, the the content that people are using. You know, in the early days, you know, 10 years ago, people had looping video, maybe some images stuck in there. Super simple. Today's, you know, um, is much more about creating an experience and whether that's interactive through touch or through buttons um, all the way down to having live content feeds where we're you know, taking live data and, and generating graphics and other things on the screen. So it's, it's, it's been a dramatic change in the 10 years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, when I, when I think about the sign, the digital signage industry, and I was there at DSE in Las Vegas this past year, you know, and kind of seeing the different trends and the way that things are developing, I think that immediacy and that relevancy of content, um, and, and like you mentioned, that personalization of an experience, you know, for people is really one of the big things that, that stood out to me. Has that been an emphasis that's been, you know, uh, on the product side for you guys, just creating more products and, and being able to um, kind of have these products that are that offer that immediate update of content to always stay relevant?
0: Yeah. So you know, one one of the places that we got our early start in um, was kind of two categories. One was doing um, retail displays. Um, so in the early days, a lot of our business was about building retail displays, and these retail displays were all about how to show off your product in retail and how to engage people. So kind of by definition, we got started very early on in building kind of interactive experiences, albeit at the time very simple, but they were interactive. And the second category that was an early part of our business was um, museums and aquariums, which also were trying to create experiences for people. So we really got our start in the digital signage world in kind of this non-traditional approach which by definition was interactive because we were trying to get you know, uh, people engagement. Whereas most of the other companies in the digital signing space were much more focused on just kind of putting up pictures and, and doing simple communications, you know, everything from you know, an airport display or doing a digital menu board or doing employee communication. So rather simple content that was really didn't have any external inputs Um, So, our whole system has been built from the ground up from day one about building interactive experiences and we still get the feedback today that our tools are some of the best tools in the industry. We're building an interactive experience.
1: Yeah, do you find that that has kind of uh, given you a head start almost on the rest of the industry? Just that you were kind of pioneering this back before it was a thing that most other people were focusing on?
0: Um, Yeah, it definitely gave us a head start um, in, in kind of the way the future was moving. Um, but at the same time, um, I look back across the industry, and even today, most of the other software systems out there really struggle with building something interactive. So, you know, I think it was a head start, but it's 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 a lead that we still maintain today, um, and we have people creating complex environments where they will mix, you know. 10 12 of our players together to create an interactive experience and it's something that really no one else in the industry even has today. And
1: you've kind of continued to push the envelope and change the game, you know, in this in this content management space with the introduction of BSN.cloud. Explain a little bit more about what that does and how that's such a game changer.
0: Well, we talked about the interactive part of it and that that really does lead to higher engagement. I mean, people see something that's interactive and this doesn't actually have to be interactive um, by the person actually doing things. It can be interactive based on, you know, a lot of different things. then moving from space to, pace, uh, space to space can actually, you know, generate interactivity. Um, but what we saw, as I talked about, was the size of the network's growing and the size of the deployments growing. Um, and I always tell people, if I put one player on my desk, It really doesn't matter what that player does or the management, because it's me. It's just going to manage one device. But now imagine you're going to take 5,000 of these devices. You're going to spread them around to 5,000 locations around the world. And the people at those places have zero idea about technology. And your job is to make sure they all work. That's a daunting task. So we've been seeing that because... We are the market share leader and we see these large deployments. So a lot of what bsn.cloud is about is managing large scale networks, giving you real time connectivity into the device, understanding what's going on that device, being able to update the content. And we built this new bsn.cloud infrastructure to not only run our user interface, which we call uh, Bright Author Connected, kind of our next generation authoring tool, but it all has APIs around every piece of the, uh, of the system, you know, from our control cloud all the way up to our content cloud so that other software vendors can tie into it because we recognize that we're not going to be the kind of the user interface software system for every kind of application, a lot of specialty applications out there. So we really built BSM. Cloud to have uh, this great kind of interactive kind of generic user interface, if you will, to create projects of all types. And then we allow the more specialized vendors um, that, you know, are vertically focused to tie into that delivery mechanism, the management part of it. So you get kind of the best of breed as you combine it with other software systems.
1: That's really fascinating. So this really provides kind of a next level um, customization almost, uh, the the ability to kind of um, put it all together and, and customize it to find solutions that work best for you and, and for a specific uh, client. So what does that look like when you kind of are kind of going through that process of, okay, how are we going to tackle this particular project? What, what does a, a, a typical conversation with a client look like when they come to you and they say, this is what we need. How can you make that happen? What what follows from that, that question?
0: Um, well, what typically follows from it is really – understanding how they're going to use it and who is going to use it. I mean, those are two real key uh, questions that we ask. The how are they going to use it and what they want to accomplish really is going to really focus us on a, the type of content, whether it's going to be completely custom content, whether these going to be live feeds and then the who managing it, you know, the, the less technical that you have kind of, um, more administrative staff, the more we're going to recommend those to our partners that that have built kind of vertically integrated solutions for that. The with the you know, kind of more of the administrative person, as we go more towards the tech person, you know, a lot of these uh, marketing agencies that we work with, they have their own technical staff, so they're very proficient and really want to have a tool set that gives them the ultimate flexibility. I think of the analogy of, you know, I, I can open up my Mac and I can open up the little preview and I can, uh, you know, adjust the the a picture, right? I can do really simple things to adjust the picture and make it look nice. Well, since I'm not a professional photographer and and photo retoucher, that works great for me, right? So that's a solution It's really focused on kind of that end customer. But if I go to a graphic artist and I and I have him say, hey, could you adjust my picture? The last tool in the world he's going to use is the little preview feature on my Mac. What's he going to want? He's going to want to Photoshop, right? So if you think about our tools, it's our mainstream tools that we have is really built for the more technical user to give them access to all the great features and functionality of our system. But at the same time, it's not built the really kind of naive user where a lot of people end up having those users and that's why we have this partner ecosystem the buildy solutions that will do a lot of automatic type things that the you know think about the mac preview versus photoshop i mean if i drop me into photoshop i just sit there and stare at it i don't get anything done um so yeah so that's really what we've done is and and you know think about photoshop it has this great range of features to do anything you want but if you don't know how to drive that thing, you just sit and stare at it and you, your picture never your will never look good. Whereas the Mac preview, you can tweak it up real quick or whatever the tool is on the Mac. Really easy to use. Um, so I, that's kind of the analogy for what we do. And so, you know, we rec- we look at what they're trying to do and who's actually going to interact with the system and kind of recommend it. But the, at the core of this whole kind of ecosystem for deployment is our media players and the software systems. It's incredibly reliable. Um, you know, we we focus on reliability because we see networks of the biggest size. I mean, we've got some of the biggest networks out there deployed. So we see the issues and the struggles that people have of managing tens of thousands of devices. Um, and with that, one of the things that we see most is software failures. We we hardware failures we see when people really try to buy inexpensive hardware and it looks good. And like I said, if you put one of them on your desk, it's probably going to be good. But when you start doing thousands of them around the world, that's when things can go bad and also go bad over time. So what we see also, that's on the hardware side. When you look at the software side and where we see the failures on the software side is a lot um, around the operating system that these devices are built on, whether it's an Android device or a Windows device or a Mac or a Chromebox, all those are built with an operating system to give you a desktop, right? I mean, I think the great example I always use is, you know, I, I'm I'm in my browser, I'm using Chrome, and and I go to some website, and the thing just appears blank, right? And it's like, well, what do I do? Well, I just close the browser and I open up a new one, right? If you think about, you know, these these devices like a Windows device or a Mac device. Essentially, when they're running digital signings, they're running their content in a browser. So if that browser locks up, there is no keyboard. These things are stuck on the wall. So And the operating system doesn't know how to take care of it because it, it thinks there's a whole bunch of things going on because it's really built for a consumer experience. Take our player in that same example where that website locks up or the HTML content has troubles. We have watchdog technology because we know that that content is what's supposed to be playing. And if we see the the rendering engine, the HTML rendering engine slice the browser having issues, we'll restart that browser, or we'll even restart the device to make sure that is up and running. So what you would see as a kind of a software failure on a PC or a Mac is this thing sits there for a long time until, until someone comes in and does something to it. Our device will automatically fix itself and yeah, it may reboot and you, and you see it go away for 30 or 40 seconds, but bam, it's up and running. So those are the kinds of technologies that we've built into our box that's different from a consumer operating system. And that's why our BrightSign operating system, which actually dates back to the, the early days of Roku, where we got our start, um, all that core operating system was built from the ground up to be something that's incredibly reliable, robust, and point-focused. it, it, it You know, you can't run Excel on our box, but guess what? If you're running HTML content and video, it's going to make sure that stuff's running all the time.
1: Absolutely. That seems to me like it would be a a massive selling tool when it comes to what BrightSign does. Because the last thing that you want is to have an attraction or to have a place where people are coming to see the screen, you know, that they're expecting content to be on it and that reliability just isn't there, and that functionality of you know, having it self-reboot uh, isn't there. Um, that's, a, that's a kind of a massive failure of the system if that's the case, but that has to be a massive selling point for you that, that you're not on a, a consumer operating system, so it kind of provides that reliability and that support.
0: Exactly. I mean, it, it's one of the, the key selling points of our hardware. A lot of people think, oh, well, you know, bright is just a piece of hardware. Well, in some ways it is, but in a lot of ways it's not. I mean, really what we're selling is basically a, a hardware system with an operating system that's built for digital signage from the ground up. Um, and that, and coming with that, you get something that, one, you don't have to buy an overpowered processor because you don't have all this desktop stuff running. Um, and then secondly, just the failure. when When our devices... Quote, fail from the software perspective, all we're going to do is, is fix it and get it back rerunning. Whereas on a PC or something else, you've got this desktop and and you know typically when you see a PC or a Mac or one of these devices have problems, they bring you to the desktop, right? Because they're going to quit and give you the desktop and say, okay, well, you you consumer fix me because I don't want to screw you up by rebooting the system or something because I don't know what all the error things you're doing. On our device, we know what it's trying to do.
1: Absolutely. So what, one of the other kind of big concerns these days is hacking and, and you know stuff showing up on a screen that you don't want to be there because of you know malicious intent from others and things like that. How do you address security concerns and how do you make that a, a big priority uh, for what you do at BrightSign?
0: Well, you know, it, it actually goes back to the exact discussion we we're having before, which is about the operating system. So if you take your PC, get what do you routinely do? you add new software to it, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's just part of what you do. <laughs> You're relying on that consumer operating system to also give you updates. Well, those two things open up massive security holes. So first, by having a device that you can add applications to, you know, like a PC or a Mac, that those things can bring in viruses. They can be road programs. They can you know, suck a lot of energy out of your PC and the experience is degraded. So on our device, you can't add new applications. You can only add stuff that is built to run on our device. So that consumer operating system, although being quite flexible, opens it up for hacks and other things, because if someone can get something on that device, then guess what? It can run, it can, it can destroy things, it can show things that are bad. The second part is, you know, these uh, commercial operating systems, uh, consumer operating systems are really built around the idea of constantly updating and giving security patches and additional features because they're built for the consumer. You know, every time a new version of the Mac OS comes out or Windows comes out, they've got all these new nifty features. Well, if you think about a digital signage kind of application running on that device, they're trying to defeat all of that stuff, right? They... They don't want you to get to the desktop. They don't want you to bring up Excel. So they're constantly trying to defeat all these mechanisms that's built into the operating system for the consumer experience. And as they add new features, a lot of the times the developers are a little bit behind the new features you know, because they introduce a new feature, and if the developer doesn't know that and it's not blocked out, all of a sudden someone could interact with that device using those new features. And, in fact, this happened A few years ago in Washington, D.C., Microsoft introduced a a new feature that allows you to do some little gesturing on the touchscreen, and it will allow you to get to the desktop. Well, what happened is someone then used that new gesture in the operating system, got to the desktop on this great big touchscreen, and and, uh, I think it was in the, the, the train station in Washington, D.C., ended up pointing it to a porn site. So they opened the browser and pointed to a porn site and then let it go well no one knew how to get back into this you know the little secret keystroke because it was a new feature and this thing is sitting there playing porn in the train station and of course these things are all wired in so that no one can unplug them so they're going crazy in the train station trying to shut this thing off that is a great example of these updates coming down and new features that's built for a consumer, but you would never want that kind of stuff coming down for for a commercial installation, for digital signage. But since they share the same operating system, that consumer operating system gives you a lot of these unintended consequences.
1: Yeah, my uh, my sincerest uh, apologies to whoever the PR director is up there in uh, handling that situation because I'm I'm am sh- sure he had a rough day at the office after it was that a
0: bad day and there was just so much press around it and I felt so bad for them and then as I dug into it and found out what happened I'm like oh but you know it's one of the things that you know is a core to our system is you know everything that runs on our device is signed which means you can't put an application to run on our processor unless it's been signed by us. Um, and that provides a really high level of security that makes it very difficult it, you know no device is unhackable but it raises the bar pretty high
1: Absolutely. Now, one of the other things I kind of wanted to dive into was just how BrightSign interacts and how you work together with uh, other companies at times and with with other areas just to create solutions. And one of the things that I think of specifically that I saw recently is the Mimo view with BrightSign built in. Uh, explain to me a little bit about that collaboration and maybe some other collaborations that you've done uh, that really provide that functionality in unique ways for users.
0: Yeah. So, you know we we work with a lot of both hardware vendors and software vendors and solutions providers and content management systems to basically build our technology into the solution um the Mimo is a great example um basically they're a really great um kind of small form factor display company they have great market share great brand great quality um and what we have done is you know we have a we have our bright sign players and you can you know connect those up to mimo mod or via hdmi but on these small form factors even though our devices are small they're big relative to um, a small display so what we did is we've actually built a a board that takes our player and shrinks it down to kind of a little bit bigger than a credit card size form factor that allows it to be integrated directly into the display so you know, think of it as kind of a commercial tablet um, because it allows you to have touchscreen capability and all of this processing built into a single package. Um, and so that's what we did with MIMO. And, and we brought that out and they're having good success at, at getting people for these small form factor displays to put them in tighter, smaller packages. Um, so we do that with, you know, MIMO is a great example of bringing up, of, you know, on the software side, we work with a lot of of content management systems to do the same thing on the software side. That's
1: really fascinating and uh, really excellent stuff. And uh, they're the market leaders for a reason, and they're pushing the envelope again with the BSN.cloud. It's been a pleasure getting a chance to talk to you today, Jeff, and learn a little bit more about what's going on at BrightSign.
0: Tyler, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Have a good rest of your day.
1: Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. For more just like it, head over to marketscale.com, click on industries at the top of the page, and then scroll down and find the industry that most interests you. We have 14 of them there, so lots to choose from. And there you'll find more podcasts, written content, and videos for you to enjoy. We'll be back soon with another episode of the podcast, but until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.